Welcome to REI Closers, where we interview real estate investing closers. My name is Ben Jensen. We go through single family all the way to commercial real estate, wholesale deals, how to close more deals, the sales process, and all things investing. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome. Are you going to be this close? Okay. Um, so second second episode, just kind of winging it, but um, figured I'd bring in the uh, guy that's doing it with me now. Do we look alike? I think so. Yeah. You got to get a hat on. It would help. <laughs> Do you think we look alike, Femi? A little bit. Yeah. I got my brother on the show. So he's, um, a lot of times we get called twins. Um, he's a little bit smaller, a little less attractive. <laughs> um, and he's two years older. So I we actually met Femi, who interviewed me on the last one. We met at a meetup, what was that, March? Yeah, March. At Katie Trail Ice House, the GOAT. Um, good place. Yeah. He was hosting, yeah, he was hosting the event for a a real estate network. And my buddy was like, Hey, we should go to this cause he's a mortgage broker. And so we went and then Femi's like, yeah, I do my own social media. I was like, I might need you eventually. So now we're somehow here making a podcast and he's filming our stuff and we're just winging it. So, um, got Alex on for the, the second one, but Alex is basically that day. I think that you, when we met you was right after we were both getting started. I'd been doing it for a little bit. And then I, uh, Alex was doing his nine to five job and I was like, Hey, you should look into this real estate stuff. But, um, I can, I know the story, but I'll just, you know, show how he actually got started in real estate and is now doing it full time with me. Um, so when we were there though, I think, were you still doing your job? Yeah. Cause that was <laughs> right after I didn't, I had done one deal at that time. Okay. So it was like right after first deal closed, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we can jump right into it. Your first deal. So you were doing, I guess, what were you doing for work before then? So I was working for an investments company. So we were doing stocks and bonds, um, no mutual funds, anything like that, just institutional, um, individual investments. So I was working in portfolio management, doing all the analysis for prospective clients, comparing their portfolio to our portfolio, and then sending it off to someone that was making a lot more money than I was. Yeah. So you said making a lot more like the sales guys or? Yeah, sales guys. So you're just getting it prepared, sending it to the sales guy. They make the deal and you just get paid. Yeah, so we were were doing the analysis. So, I mean, we'd have to actually figure out kind of what was going on and you would show them, hey, like there's an inefficiency here, here and here and walk them through it. But they're the ones actually doing the sales pitch. But yeah, portfolio management for um, investments company. Okay. Um, and you've been doing that the last two years out of college. Yeah, so right out of school started, I think two days after I got back home from school and then did it for basically right on the dot two years. No, uh, yeah. boomer sooner. Yeah. We both went to OU. Um, so he graduated in 2020, I was in 2022, but, um, so he was doing that for two years and then <clears throat> I got into the whole sales thing, which y'all heard on the last episode, but, um, started going more into real estate. And then I guess, how'd you get out of, you said you were doing that the first you know, doing that job when we met him at the meetup, but yeah. you said you got your first deal, I guess, how'd you get into real estate and what was your first deal like? Yeah. So just joining a network, I think we joined that what early March, um, really started getting going on that in late March, early April. So I was just cold calling, um, pre foreclosures, um, FSBOs, which is for sale by owner. So my first deal, I was cold calling, um, pretty late at night, like after dinner, got in contact with some people from San Antonio, um, walk them through the process of how they could stop a foreclosure and basically just got them to a point where they were like, Hey, I need to sell, Mm -hmm. um, ran the numbers. So figured out what the house was worth. If it was fixed up, 
what repairs needed to be done, um, sold them over the phone, saying, hey, I can get you. I think we settled on $91,000. And then I know you helped me with the contract. At this point, we didn't really know how to do a contract, (laughs) which was kind of funny because we have contracts that we can write in a minute now. Yeah. So we were doing that on the computer, I remember, but uh, ended up wholesaling that. I think we got it. I can't remember the final price, but I know I walked away with 16600 So mm-hmm. um, it came down from like 22000 at the last second, but Jeez. ended up making you know pretty good money for a first deal just over the phone, never saw the house, Yeah, nothing. Um, so you're in Dallas and this deal was in San Antonio? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so you said pre-foreclosure list. Um, a lot of people don't realize, I guess, like where to find these lists. How do you call them? How many calls did it take? So you said you joined a network. Um, I talked about that a little bit. So we joined that network. They kind of showed us a little bit, like, how do we find these deals? But I guess, where'd you find a pre-foreclosure list? What were you calling on and how many calls did it take to get there? Yes. I mean, we'll pull some from just straight from the County website. We'll skip trace it on deal machine, which is just a app website that you can use to not a sponsor yet, but maybe one day. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully soon. Um, this was from real estate IQ. So we pull lists from there. You can do pre-foreclosures, absentee or, I guess, evictions, substitute trustees, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just had a list from there. It was cold calling. Um, probably at that point I was doing a few hours a day. So it was probably like 150 dials a day. Are you putting this on your phone or are you doing like, like are you typing in these numbers every single time from those lists? Oh, no. So we would we download it or I download it into a spreadsheet, upload it to our CRM. So we use Main Street REI, um, goes into a dialer. Um, so it's just dial. Don't, they don't answer. It leaves a voicemail. I'll send a text message. Click to the next one. So you're just pressing next, next, yeah. next yeah. to each lead, yeah. and you're going through the pre foreclosure list. Right. House comes up in San Antonio. Um, was it like a wife that answered? Was it? Yeah, I think it was a wife, and then their husband was kind of in the background. She was definitely running the show, which was yeah. pretty funny, telling him what's going on. Yeah, um, but she was the one that had bought the house originally, and then they got remarried. Or okay, she got remarried, so I think he didn't have too much involvement in the, the right. property. Right. So whenever you got a hold of her. What was, I guess, how long until the auction date? Meaning, like, if they, you know, didn't sell it or catch it up, how, when were they going to lose the house? It was pretty close. I think they were about two and a half, three weeks out. So okay. I was definitely pressing the urgency there. And she kind of understood that. I'm like, hey, if you guys don't have the, I think they were behind, like, $20,000. I'm like, if you don't right. have that, like, you got to get rolling on this now because um, it takes time to buy a house, um, to do right. all the title work. Um, she didn't have a valid ID. So luckily oh. it wasn't a lot of time, which that happens a lot with folks in foreclosure. So mm-hmm. we had to figure out how to get her a new ID. Um, Cause you got to have that to close on the house. Right. Um, yes. Yeah, so it was about three weeks out, I think three weeks out from the auction date. So basically that was kind of like the urgency. How'd you know what you said you bought it at 91,000? Did you have 91,000 in your bank account? No, no, I did not at that point. <laughs> so, not even close. <laughs> yeah. So this is what's crazy about wholesaling and people see this all the time is like, he's coming in saying, Hey, I'll buy your house for $91,000 cash. He doesn't have 91,000, but he knows that that's a good deal. And then he has what a, a buyer, right? right buying it yeah. at more. So you found her on this list. I guess she was behind 20,000. How'd you know that you could offer her 91? Yeah. So what I did is <clears throat> while I'm talking to people on the phone, I have a few different websites open. So I'll have har, um, har.com, chase home value, privy, which you have to pay for. Um, uh-huh. You can use Zillow, whatever. So I figured out, you know, comparable houses, same bed, bath, all okay. that stuff fixed up would sell for X amount. Do you um, remember what that fixed up value was? Um, I could do the math in my head. I mean, it's probably like 190, I think was what it yeah. was. Um, so and houses the, that were selling in good condition were selling for 190. Yeah. Um, it's okay. a, definitely an older part of, um, Northeast or Southeast San Antonio, mm-hmm. Kirby, Kirby, San Antonio. Um, 
So I just did the math, figured out, you know, hey, does it need a new roof? Does it need one of the main five? So new roof, HVAC, plumbing, electrical, foundation. Definitely needed cosmetics, so bathroom, all that stuff. Um, did 70% of that fixed up value, subtracted out repairs, and then said, hey, like I can get you 91. That's about as much as I can get you. Um, so if we're looking at, you said 70% of that number minus repairs. So 190 times 0.7. Let's see what that is. If you, any good math people, 133 and minus repairs. So you said, okay, it's like a 1200 square foot house. Yeah. It's going to be this much in cosmetics. You come down, you work her down to 91. Say, yeah. okay, this is what we have to do to make it make sense. Right. She says what? Okay. She's just like, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, it was good that they had a lot of equity. I mean, she had been there for 17 years. Um, okay. So I think the payoff was, which meaning how much was left on the mortgage. I think it was like 65 or 70. Um, okay. And she Even knew, after her back payments? Yeah, after the back payments. So, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot left on the mortgage. Um, right. And she knew like, hey, like I know what you're doing. Like you have to make money too. Yeah. Um, I had to do a little bit of convincing there as well because um, everyone thinks their house is worth more than it is. And the, the condition's a lot nicer because it's subjective. No it's subjective, yeah. <laughs> like my house is awesome. Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> ARV, yeah. yeah. So yeah. after repair value, um, ARV, fixed up value, fair market value, whatever you want to call it. Right. Synonymous. So 70% of ARV after repair value minus repairs. And you said, okay, 90,000, you get her that. How'd you know that you could sell it for more? Did you already have a buyer? Um, you know, so I, I, had a, I had a contact um, at a basically a, a brokerage firm, essentially. Um, and so I knew that, Hey, they, they're going to buy something at 80% of ARV minus repairs. So if I can get it at 70% of ARV minus repairs, I'll make that 10% right. spread there. Okay. Um, especially in an area that's you know pretty decent area. Right. It's not like it's out in the boonies or anything. Okay. So you lock it up, you go, and this is funny. So we I do remember this now. It's crazy. This is March. He calls me. He's like, dude, I think I, he's, he's getting home from work at what time? Like I get home like three o'clock, go to the gym. So okay. I'm not, even starting to do the second job till probably four thirty-five. Okay, so you got up at what time in the morning to go to your four thirty? Okay, so he's getting there right when the stock market opens, I guess. But no, but yeah, no, I don't, I don't know. But he's he's there early. He's back at two. Go to the gym, so you get back at three thirty or whatever, yeah. and then you start cold calling. Yeah, basically like just two hours a day, three hours a day. I'd cold call, cold call until about eight thirty at night. Okay, so whatever three um, three and a half hours. So you're getting back at three and a half hours. And then you, I guess, how many calls do you think it took to find this lady? Um, I know it was the second or third time I had called her. Um, called her? Yeah, because I have it repeating. So I'll call someone, it'll wait a few days, and I'll call them back. Okay, so she didn't answer their first two calls. No. Um, so it's, I mean, that's usually how it is, is it takes a few times to get in touch with someone. So, right. I mean, right. what is it, like the fifth to twelfth time is usually when you yeah. actually get in touch with somebody. When you when you close it, right? Yeah, when you close it, yeah. So I had called her a few times. She hadn't answered. She actually picked up this time. Um talked to her for a while and just got her to the point where like, Hey, I, mm -hmm. I got to sell this thing. Right. How many days, like you, you're new into wholesaling. This is your first deal. You're coming back from work and you just say, I'm going to cold call and cold call. Um, like how many days into it was that? It's probably a week and a half, two weeks. So it was pretty quick two actually. Weeks? Yeah. Two weeks into it. Yeah. Um, but you had a nice setup, right? You had a CRM, you had the list. Um, yeah. you kind of invested into yourself, right? You paid for the list right. a little bit, nothing crazy, but um, so you have a system set up and then two weeks later you get that deal. Yep. So you were calling for two weeks, pretty much nothing, nothing. Yeah. I had one other lead that I had sent you. I know, um, that we ended up closing yeah. on college station, which yeah. that was like a four month process, but talk about was, touches. That was probably 25 touches before yeah. we closed that. And we, I'll do five touches. Like she said, it was taking out 20 touch points. 
for this other one. For another one. We'll loop it back to this because this is crazy. I'll I'll start with this first deal. But yeah, Yeah. his uh, another deal we ended up closing on three months later um, that he got. But anyway, so two weeks of calling, you're probably getting leads here and there. But eventually after two weeks, you got one under contract. We're scrambling over to your apartment. How do I sign this contract? Let alone, I'm pretty new at this too. Because my first couple deals I did with Grant, like I said. Um, So I hadn't like, I'd seen the contract. I hadn't written it all myself. So I'm looking at my first deal that I closed probably we were copying that. Yeah, probably that. a few weeks prior. And I go over to his apartment and I'm like, okay, here's what it is on this one. We're doing, they're both cash contracts. We're closing in two weeks. And I'm just copying like this checkbox, this address, switch this out, put this as the close date. And we're like scrambling here. We don't know how to work DocuSign. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know how to work DocuSign. We don't know how to do we Adobe. We DocuSign at that point. Yeah. So run, out of, run out of space <laughs> to actually send stuff. We're calling Grant. Grant's trying to close other deals and he's just like we're wasting his time and we're just like okay we'll figure this out meanwhile we're telling this lady like hey it's, it's on the way it's on the way it's 9 30 at night and we're like we have to get this under contract tonight or else she's gonna wake up in the morning and forget that yeah, we even spoke right she's gonna talk to another investor and it's gonna be gone so like we're scrambling over there we get it sent over we hop her on the phone she completes it she kind of was a contract reader i think too she ended up reading through it for a little bit but yeah, i think yeah. we got her to, to sign so i'm over there his apartment kind of helping him out um, we have no idea what someone's going to buy this at. We just say we got it at a number that makes sense. And then we shoot it over to that contact at a, um, basically there's a huge brokerage that buys houses. Sorry, we had a quick intermission, but basically you're saying it, it um, you're calling them, you know, how many touches it took. It was the first call, right? Um, Second call, first time to answer. Okay. Yeah. We were talking about the buyer though. So how'd you yeah. find the buyer? You had this locked up at 91,000. I guess, what did you end up getting it sold at so i don't know exact because they sell it mm-hmm. to another person for a higher price so basically we had it locked in where i would get i think it was twenty two thousand dollars so they were this next person was buying it at yeah whatever so, twenty two thousand higher than nine yeah so the assignment was set up for me to make 22 the buyer at the end the end buyer i'm um, right before closing ended up trying to get it down um and it, i just told okay. them like hey like let's just get it over with like, right and it's a little confusing yeah. because basically what we've done is we had a, a network, um, a guy that's a huge wholesale company, right? So they have thousands and thousands of buyers, whereas we're brand new. So many people are worried about how do I find a buyer, right? And we know with this contact, if they buy it at 79, 80% of ARV, we know they're going to wholesale it again. This is what this brokerage does, but they just, their volume. So they're just locking it up from us. They find a buyer for five grand more and they get it done. But we know they can find a buyer. So that's what we did for our first couple of deals. So he he's just saying he was originally going to make 22. He ended up dropping it down to what 16 16, yeah was the final so he ended you make sixteen thousand. i guess i think a lot of people that are listening to this that don't know about wholesaling or real estate like you get this under contract for 91 why did you not have to bring any money and what did you put down like how does that work when you're sending a contract yep so you can put down earnest money and option money so i put down ten dollars earnest money ten dollars option money so it costs um earnest money is just to lock in the contract to make it valid okay Um, Option money is if you back out. So if I have a 30-day option period for me, the buyer, to back out of the contract, if I back out, the seller or yeah, the, the homeowner gets that $10. Mm. Um, so it's just if I back out of the contract, they're going to walk. $10 in option money? $10 yeah. in option money, yeah. So yeah. if it's a foreclosure and it's a house that's beat up, whatever, like we're not going to put down a bunch of money on the house. Um, and I think a lot of people don't realize is these people – you know, they don't know you're the expert, right? They have no idea what option period is earnest money, right? Obviously you don't ever want to screw someone over. We're helping them stop a foreclosure and we're finding them a buyer. They never would have had access to, right? 
let right, alone right. she made like what 20 grand in this transaction yeah, yeah. so she not Which only is a lot for a foreclosure right not only did she make 20 grand she stopped the foreclosure saved her credit she actually got an extra what how much time did you give her as a lease back um i think it was like two or three weeks i right. messed it up i originally had it at two months <clears throat> didn't realize that that's a huge no-no yeah um worked her down to a month and then worked her down to like two weeks i think yeah so essentially he put it in there he's like oh yeah you can stay for a couple months not realizing that the buyer doesn't want that so he, yeah, he gave her right. Huge. He gave her like an extra three weeks just to stay in the home after that close day. So not only did she stop the foreclosure, she now got twenty grand, and she got an extra three weeks to help relocate. Right. But he lease back just means so whenever the closing date is, let's say it was whatever May second, May second it closes. They have three weeks after May second to to get out of the place. Right, because that buyer is now the owner on yeah. May second. But we had a contract in place saying, hey, for three weeks, she can stay there, but she has to get out by that. And what's important there, too, is you do a holdback. So at closing, they're not going to walk away with that $20,000. They're going to walk away with fifteen. So we did a $5,000 holdback. So if they decide to squat, they're not going to get that $5,000. And then right. also, if, if they stay longer than the three-week period, it's 250-day yeah. late fee. It's all getting in the weeds, kind of unnecessary. Yeah. But just saying right. he helped her out, right? The big thing is he puts $10 down. Right. When you buy a house on the market with a realtor, they're expecting you to put 1% of the purchase price. So if you're going to buy a house on the market and it's a $300,000 house, they want to see 3000 as earnest money to prove that you're serious about buying this. When we're wheel- dealing with someone off market, we're just putting $10, right? And it's like, I'm sending this in. Well, no, we have to, to make the contract valid. So title company needs earnest money to start title commitment and you know open it up. So they, we send them in $10 with the option and $10 with earnest. So we're $20 in, he closes, you know, he gets it under contract, the buyer closes, right? So this buyer now brings the full 116 or whatever that was. Yeah. Alex gets paid the difference at closing and then the seller gets the 91. And then he actually gets refunded his $10 earnest money. $16, yeah. I mean $16,000. Yeah, for $20. Putting down $20. Yeah. Got All right. $20 that's some good ROI yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah, so basically that's what people don't really realize. You're putting down $10 essentially to make 15 20 30 or get into this next part, $100,000. So the right conversation you can find with wholesaling is so crazy because like most of these deals aren't, you know, you can make 10, 20, 30. If you're good at negotiating, you know what the deal is and you have premium buyers. It's pretty typical. I think our average deal is probably around $20,000, but his second deal is what really made this crazy. And what made him go full time into real estate is you got this first one cold calling, you're calling pre foreclosures. Um, and now he's like, okay, I get a little taste of it. What you're making. I mean, what were you making annually in your other job? Um, gross, probably like 70. Okay. Yeah. So 70,000. Everything. Bonus, right. All that stuff, yeah. So 70,000 a year. He makes 16,000 on this one deal in two weeks. And then I guess you're cold calling every day. So what were you doing? Your daily routine. We kind of saw you were going to work. You're coming back. You're cold calling. Yeah. Just grind. <laughs> uh, it's really just, I mean, wake up at 430 to go to work. Cause I go to work at six, come back home, work out eat dinner if you eat dinner, um, but just cold calling most of the time. And then on the weekends, I mean, I was not really knocking doors yet because I hadn't really done that, and I just wasn't comfortable going through the foreclosure process. So I would go driving for dollars, which is just go to neighborhoods, try to find a house that looks distressed, leave a note, mark it down, find their phone number, whatever it is, and that's how I got the second deal. Yeah, so. You know which place to drive to? Like, would you drive anywhere? Like, you can't, yeah. You can't look for wholesale deals in Highland Park. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
That's true. So you gotta you gotta find the right place. So if you're in an area that's just all the houses are run down, they're all run down. Um, that might be a place to put up a bandit sign. Um, I would try to go to neighborhoods that are nice neighborhoods and look for properties that are distressed. So maybe someone had just been behind other payments and they're not taking care of their yard. So like the yard's overgrown, maybe there's shingles missing, whatever it is. Um, leave a note on that house and then try to find their information when you get back home. Mm-hmm. So you're you're driving for dollars. Um, how long after this was the first, your first deal were you driving? You were doing this on the weekends? Yeah. Okay. Saturday mornings. So you're doing this on the weekend. Um, I guess what house did, you know, skip past this? He, he gets a hundred thousand dollar deal, right? How did you find this? You said you're driving for dollars. So you're in what area and what did you do to get the deal? Yeah. So just essentially Northeast downtown Dallas. Um, so over across the highway from SMU, Okay. So like 1960s neighborhood, you know, nice houses that a lot of them had been fixed and flipped. And I was just driving through, saw a house that was for sale by owner, ended up talking to that guy for a while and they wanted way too much money. House, two houses down. I was like, something's up there. Like obviously no one was in the house, like Mm -hmm. notes from bug guys, roof guys on the door. So I just left a note saying, Hey, like call me. I would interested in the house. Guy calls me. He's like, yeah. Like how long after that did he call you? Might have been the same day, I think, actually. Really? Or maybe the, the day after on Sunday, but it was quick. Um, called me and said, hey, like, yeah, I'm the executor of the estate, meaning the homeowner had passed away. He was the one doing the probate process. He's like, yeah, come take a look. Um, so I went over there, took a look, went through the numbers with him. So same thing, 70% of ARV minus repairs. Walked him through. I'm like, hey, we're going to have to spend probably 150 grand to get this house fixed up because it would mm. 1960s gut it down at the studs. So, I mean, I built good rapport with him. He's a good old country guy. Um, so we're talking about hunting, whatnot. Yeah. Um, so built good rapport with him. Um, I offered a lot lower than what other people were offering, but he liked me. So he's like, hey, like, I know I have higher offers. Can If you can get to this price, like, I'll sell it to you instead of the other guys. And I was like, all right, you know, I can, I guess I'll go up to that price. So you uh, had it originally. Do you remember what you offered originally? Offered four thirty. Four thirty. So the ARV on this you saw is like, like 850-ish. 850 or so? Yeah. House is obviously run down. You offer four, what you say? Four thirty. Four thirty. And he, you're talking to him for a while. He likes you. He had other offers, um, probably because the probate, whatever he's talking yeah, to investors. Yeah, there's people on the door. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what did he say you needed to get to? Um, at first he said like four forty, and I was like, ah, oh, I don't know if I can do that, and kind of just pushed him away. And then he came back to me. I hadn't talked to him. He's like, all right, I want to sell it to you. Like, can you do four sixty five? Like, I knew I could do four sixty five. So I was like, you know what? Yeah, let's do it. Got it under contract. It's actually so crazy to think now that you were shying him away at 440. But I think that's what a lot of people don't realize is like a pullback. Like obviously, you, you want to say, hey, I'm interested in buying this house. But if they think you're just throwing your money at everyone, they realize they can work you up, right? It's like, oh, I mean, if that doesn't make sense for us, you know, we'll point you in another direction. Yeah. But you say no at first. He comes back to 465. And, I mean, ARV of 850, that sounds pretty Yeah, pretty and I had told him that actually. I'm like, hey, I got other projects I'm working on, so like, you got to get back to me. Right. Um, so, so you push a little urgency. Yeah. There. Urgency there. Okay. So he, he says 465 and you say, yeah, I can make that work. Yep. Okay. Yep. And you don't have 465,000 in your bank account. No. Okay. So the same thing you get under contract, what? $10 option point. Option I money? did. And then he read the contract. Um, his wife somehow like a works in a law firm. So she okay. took a look at it and she's like, can you go up to a thousand dollars earnest money? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Okay. And ten, so still $10 is, option. Right. This is where people that are more familiar, right. They know, okay, if he's only putting $10, why is he serious about buying this? The wife pointed it out. He's like, okay, I'll put down a thousand. So he puts down a thousand earnest money showing, Hey, I'm, you know, we're going to close on this. 
and he does have to put in a thousand dollars now, right? But now he's got a contract for four sixty five to buy the house, and now you're looking at this. Okay, the house is worth eight fifty. You have pictures of it. How'd you find a buyer? What was your next step? Yeah, so I'd originally try to go through that same brokerage firm, um, mm-hmm. and I was gonna make probably 70 on that. And I was like, I know I can make more money. Like it's a great area, Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I did is reached out to a network we're in, um, posted all the pictures, details there. I had people that were going to get it for about, I would have made 140 on it, uh, but I didn't really know them that well. So I was like, I don't know if they have proof of funds, whatnot. Um, ran into a lady that's also in our network. She lives in Allen, um, brought her over to the house. She's like, I've flipped this exact same house in Richardson, Texas before. Like, do not show anyone else this house. I'll buy it. And I was like, all right, great. So I took a haircut on it. Um, didn't make as much as I could have, but I mean, still made a hundred grand. So she bought it at five sixty five. Okay. Yeah. And you yeah. had people offering six hundred ish. Like six hundred and three was the highest offer. Six hundred and three, yeah. which is what the house across the street sold this for. Was off the was this was in yeah. Dallas, so it's um, near SMU, like not across seventy five. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It's the same house you're talking about. Yeah, she had right. flipped a house with the same <laughs> set floor plan in Richardson, so she knew exactly what she was going to do. Tear down this wall, this wall. Put in a bathroom here. All right. that's it. And so she, she was. The house, you're, in, you're talking to the person at the SMU house. Yep. The, the older guy. Mm-hmm. How did this lady come into the equation? Um, she was just in our network. I had kind of advertised it as, "Hey, I'm trying to wholesale this thing." She's like, "I want to take a look at it." Mm-hmm. She's great at what she does, um, like high end fix and flips. And she's like, "Hey, can I come see the house?" Mm-hmm. So I took her on a little tour of the house, and then once she was there, yeah. she's like, "I want to lock this in." We say network, we're in like, we, after I got my first deal, I wanted to learn how to do this and kind of fast track the the learning process. So I joined the network that Grant was in. So we put, we paid to, to be a part of this right. group, which it's a one-time thing. You get the training, but really it's just, you get access to now all these people that are doing fix and flips, they're wholesaling, they're investing multifamily commercial. So we have all the help we need, but um, we were able to, you know, kind of bite the bullet at the beginning, pay that money and just invest in ourselves to do that so he's now she's in that network she says hey we know she's legit right because she does these flips we've seen it and she says i'll buy it for 565 right yeah, she she was i worked her up to get it exactly okay. at 100 okay so yeah she wanted a little bit less he had people that were offering her 600 but he's like hey i'll let it go to you because you're within the network like i know you'll close on it um which is crazy because i probably you know maybe bad but it's like i probably would have gone for the 600 you know what i mean um, yeah. but for her, that's sweet. You know, the numbers make sense. She flipped the house. It just got listed on the market, right? Yeah. I mean, she's going to make over six figures as well. Yeah. Yeah. So if you would have flipped that yourself, technically. Oh yeah. I mean, I would have made whatever, 250, right. 300 maybe. But you didn't have to do anything, right? So you no. put a thousand dollars down. She paid 565. The hundred went to you. The ex, you know, your a thousand dollars earnest money went back to you. And then she, the seller or whatever, the executor got paid, you know, his 465. Yeah. Um, and then now what? You're just on to the next, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's the that's the cool thing about wholesaling is you don't need, you didn't put any money. Obviously, you put the earnest money. Yeah. But you're not flipping it. He didn't you put any work to it. Thousand dollars back, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was a hundred thousand dollars just straight to the bank account. I guess plus the one thousand in earnest yeah. money. Yeah. Hundred and one. So walk, kind of backtrack and walk us through pre, like your pre ritual to like when you're going to go drop your dollars, you're going to go door knock. What mm-hmm. are you looking for? What do you have prepped? Are you looking at the neighborhood and the comps before you go in? Um, where are you? What are you? What is your list of questions you're asking people? Yeah, so I guess driving for dollars. I mean, I'm not really knocking on doors too much. I'm just leaving notes. So I try to go to a neighborhood that I know is 
like a good neighborhood, but there's people that are old that are like trying to move or maybe they passed away or maybe it's the just older like houses. older houses where you know there's equity, you know there might be like some sort of distress there. Um, so like there's a ha- neighborhood in South Dallas, I can't even remember, but it's on a golf course. So I've done that one. I've done the neighborhood that I got the house in. So, I mean, I'm just driving through there looking for anything that might be out of place. High grass, you know, maybe a broken window, messed up, shingles, whatever. Um, when you're knocking for pre-foreclosures, I mean, you have a list of I'm hitting these 18, 25 houses on the pre-foreclosure list. I mean, there's a script essentially of what you're going through. Hey, like this house is on the list. What are you trying to do? So you're just looking for distress. So you're yeah. just overgrown yard. People that can't keep up with the house, right? Have, this one technically is vacant. Someone yeah. died. This guy inherited the house. Um, so that's that's crazy. So you give 100 grand, hit the bank account. And now I guess the big question is like, what do I do? I just made, what, almost two times my yeah. annual salary in a month and a half. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was when I kind of started thinking like, man, like I enjoyed my job, but it gets to a point where you're like, is it worth it? Like I could be doing this full time and doing this the whole time. I mean, you're making way more money. Um, so I stayed my job for probably another month, but I told them, you know, get, put in my two weeks. I was like, Hey, like I'm not doing this anymore. Um, they're like completely blindsided. They're like, what are you trying to do? I'm like, well, I started doing real estate investing, wholesaling, and I making quite a bit more money in the last two months than what I would make in a year here. And I don't know if that ticked them off a little bit, but, uh, <laughs> I think it probably did. Um, uh, but ended up just quitting that job about a, a month after that, that big deal. Um, so is it your, I guess your boss VP, is it that the guy you told that you were yeah. doing this? Okay. Yeah. Did he think that was cool or was he kind of like, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a cool dude. I was close with them. Um, he, they're definitely a little bit blindsided because I was trying to move into a sales role, um, pretty soon there. Um, my actual boss wasn't, she was just like, I don't think she liked me either way. <laughs> um, but you yeah, the, the, the VP of the group was like, yeah, man, that's awesome. Like happy for you. Um, yeah. but I think they were a little bit blindsided by that. And then I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. The first one was cool. I was like, man, this is awesome. Like it's proof of concept. Um, the second one was, there's a little bit drama in that deal for sure. I almost lost it a few times. And then the private money lender, he had to sign a DocuSign and answer a phone Who call. Who's this private money lender? The private money lender for the lady that ended up buying it. So okay. the end buyer, um, he forgot to answer the phone call. So the wire cut off is 3 p.m. Deal closed on a Friday. The uh, guy's sitting there waiting for a check instead of a wire and it hadn't gone through yet. So he's calling me like, ripping me apart. Why haven't I gotten paid and ends up going through and I'm on the phone with Ben, um, probably like five o'clock. It hits my bank account as I'm talking to him. I'm like, damn, like it's pretty crazy. Like the actual hundred thousand dollars just hit my bank account. Like this is wild. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like, if we wanted to flip that project, right. As a wholesaling, you don't really need any money or experience. Right. But that lady, she doesn't have probably, I mean, she, maybe she does. Right. But most flippers don't have five sixty five. Why use your own money anyway? Yeah, use someone laying in their bank account. Right. So they have other people that have a ton of money um, and they want to make a return on it because they're not you know, getting it in the stock market. So this lady went to a private money lender, said, Hey, I need 565,000. I'll pay you probably 12% interest over the next four months and maybe two points up front, meaning a certain amount up front. So that private money lender is the one that's wiring it to the title company. But he would—he didn't answer the phone whenever they went to yeah, close. He went into a meeting, yeah. Yeah, so his basically his closing got like delayed a little bit, and the sellers, you know, blowing up his phone saying, "Hey, why haven't I gotten funded yet?" And then finally it funded, and the guy like chilled, and then Alex was like yeah. on the phone with me, freaking out because he's like, "This guy hasn't called yet," and he's like, "Oh wait, 
The guy thought I was it. like somehow scamming him. Like, dude, I'm telling you, you're gonna get your money. Like, yeah, it's it's gonna be all right. Yeah. So there's nothing. It wasn't yeah. really gonna fall apart. The guy's just yeah. freaking out on Alex because he hasn't gotten his money yet. It's his home. We're talking about. Yeah, so. and yeah. it wasn't. Yeah, he inherited it. But um, so that's crazy. So that and then you put in. I guess a couple weeks later, you put in your two weeks. Yeah. 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 And then you just like now what you have the full full time for real estate. So what does your daily routine look like now? Depends on the week. Um, so, I mean, some days I'm knocking or some weeks I'm knocking whatever, three, four, five days a week. Um, so I'll usually cold call a little bit in the morning, probably from, I don't start cold calling 9 a.m. Um, so 9 to like 11, I might cold call. Then I'll go knock pre-foreclosures from 11 to 5 roughly, cold call some more. Um, you know, if you have a lot of deals going at one time that you already have under contract, that takes up a lot of time. So like this week I've been dealing with stuff that I have under contract, but it's usually wake up, gym, do some paperwork, either cold call or knock, um, usually both of them, work on some paperwork for some deals. Um, there's a lot of people that call me, call you uh, to close deals. So doing that really just depends on the week. But okay. it's, uh, it's 24-7 essentially. Yeah. How do you, how do you stop? Sometimes you just got to stop, I think, uh, <laughs> put the phone down. Um, not everything's super urgent. I mean, there's a lot of people like, hey, I got a seller on the line. Like, can you talk to him? And then you talk to him. And it's like, yeah, I'm not really motivated to sell. Like, I'll sell in six months. And I'm like, okay. Right. Um, but, yeah, you got to keep doing normal stuff. Go do whatever hobbies you do and just right. don't be working all the time. That is hard, especially when you have someone calling. Some of these deals are in foreclosure. They're urgent. They need help. But yeah, your phone's you know, always blown up is the problem. We know if we don't answer it, someone's picking up that deal in an hour. It's like if I can make 15, 20, 30 grand right now, I'm probably going to answer the phone. Yeah. So that's why it's hard. Sometimes there's people calling us at nine o'clock at night. We've gotten good in this network now. He said, you know, I have deals under contract. I guess how many of you closed now since then? I think by myself, I think I'm at eight that have actually closed. You know, I've had some that you have to terminate because something happens or right. whatever. Um, how many have we done together? What? Three, like now? three or so now yeah. i can't remember exactly but we've gotten so he's he's doing his own marketing he's cold calling he's door knocking we have some marketing now together that we do so we split some costs on um things that we're doing together and then if we find a deal that way we'll split the commission so we have our own llc um, that we're partnered on and then big thing is this network now like i tell people hey like we've done this in six months you know we've closed probably a total of over 20 25 deals say so. um together and or between the two of us and have more under contract just sitting in escrow right now waiting to close so other people that are new come into this group and they are like hey i need help talking to the seller i need help closing this deal and that's how we've gotten a lot of our deals now is instead of us just cold calling door knocking doing all this stuff ourselves we have other people bring us the lead we close it and we split it with them 50 50 it's free marketing right so those, that's the big value of the network is like join and get around people that are doing it because doing it yourself takes like 10 times as long i guarantee you i would have i probably would have nothing right now if i try to do this all myself i mean youtube's great and watching all that but like if you can get with someone that's doing it either work for someone doing it or pay to be in the room that's what I, the biggest value is so now we're closing deals that way we've got marketing from people cold calling for us friends on our dialer i got solar guys knocking doors um, we're still cold calling so it's like trying to maximize the amount of marketing that we're doing to get our phone like blowing up i mean right now we probably have a few missed calls just from sitting here right but um so now you're doing that i guess loop back to this other deal so we had this one what was this your second contact ever it was 
I hadn't even started cold calling pre-foreclosures or anything yet. I didn't uh-huh. even have lists. So I was calling FSBO.com, which is for sale by owner houses. Right. And I'm just going through that. I see this fourplex in College Station. I'm like, all right, I need to practice, like, cold calling. This is just for practice. Yeah, call this guy. And actually picks up, and he's like, yeah, I'm, like, kind of trying to sell this place. Obviously, it's on FSBO. Um, talking to him, figure out at that point, like, I, I knew what sub two was. I knew how to do cash, but... I knew it wasn't really going to be a cash deal because he didn't have any equity in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I talked to him a few times, and then I passed it off to Ben uh, to yeah. you. Somebody I don't know yeah. how to what to do with this. Yeah, so he's just calling. Literally, they're just like, hey, just start with Craigslist and for sale by owner and call people just to get used to calling them. Second deal, he your second person he ever calls, fourplex in College Station. And this guy's like, yeah, I'm looking to sell. I need to sell it quick. Um, and then we figure out he didn't know what to do because like, I don't think a cash offer. He wants like 325 I think yeah. he said. And he's like, this thing's worth like 350. Like it needs work. There's not, he's not getting 325. So then I got on the phone with him. Turns out like he, he had, I don't remember exactly like 270 left on the mortgage, but he was like 30 grand behind. So now we're like light bulb. Like this guy is 30 grand behind on the mortgage. Yeah. He's living in one unit and renting out the others. And he bought it with a VA loan. Right. Yeah. He was trying to house hack it, but now he's running a different business and he did the whole forbearance thing, didn't pay his mortgage during COVID. Now he's 30 grand behind, but he's sitting on a 3% interest rate. The other places are rented out except for one unit. So he's living in one, right, in two of them. One's vacant and needs some work, and then he's living in the, the fourth one. Um, not in this condition, right? I mean, if we're wholesaling it, you know, we're selling it off. They're going to fix and flip it. The tenants are going to need to be out. So they need to be on a month to month lease. But in this case, he had leases in place, but we knew we couldn't get it under contract cash because there wasn't enough equity. So now I'm like, and this is where he didn't know about all this yet. Right. I've been kind of doing the creative finance stuff, figuring it out. So I get on the phone with him, figure out he's behind. I offer him a subject to offer meaning, Hey, why don't we just catch up your 30 grand? We'll give you a little bit of money and we'll make the loan current. We'll buy it, take over your payments. So now I take over the, the low interest rate. He was like, yeah, he was open to subject too. He was open to the creative offer, but he's like, I need to get 325. I need to get 20, 25,000 out of this to uh, start my own business. And he wanted to move to the Philippines. But he's like, I need to get 20, 25,000. I'm like, okay, well, we can't do that, but we'll keep in touch. And he's like, okay. Kept every week, like two weeks. I was like, hey, like, how's it going? He's like, oh, I want to make a deal. I just, I, I got to get this much out of it. I was like, I don't think we can give you that much. Another two, three, work, three four weeks go by. Yeah. And then now he's, you know, he's 35 grand behind, he's 36 grand behind. And now it's like, you know, two months later, he hits me up and my, like, Hey, how's everything going? He's like, well, we have a, a conventional buyer that was coming in with the VA loan, but they couldn't get financing. Um, I need to get rid of this and be gone like in the next two weeks. And I'm like, well, he's like, you know, what's the most you can give me? And I'm like, I don't think we can give you more than 5,000 bucks. And I was like, after we catch it up. Right. And he's like, I need seven and a half. And I'm like, can we meet in the middle? We met somewhere in the middle. So basically got it under contract two months later. This is after text back and forth to buy the house subject to the fourplex. So we're catching up the 35. He's behind. We're giving him like 6,000 bucks and then we're taking over the payment. So we're taking over a 3.25% interest rate. We're taking the deed. And then now we're sitting here like, okay, this each unit rents for 800 to 900 bucks a month. Our mortgage is 1900. That's already a thousand bucks cash flow. Granted, these things need a little bit of work. Um, so I'm sitting here like, this doesn't make any sense to, to wholesale, right? We could turn around and wholesale this contract and make a little bit, probably 10,000 bucks maybe. Um, but I was like, you know, we want to 
build some long-term well too. So we go in the network, we say, Hey, we have this deal, 3% interest rate. Who's in college station that might want to, you know, fund this or partner with us. And like three or four people hit us up. We get on the phone with a, a lady, Debbie, she's awesome. She's like lives in Bryan kids went to A&M, I think. Um, and she's like, yeah, well, why don't we just do it 50, 50? So she brings half the money. We bring half the money. Um, she's there. She does the property management. So we pretty much lucked out. We got, you know, we brought half the money into it, which is like 42,000 or so. Um, she's got half the you know ownership. We have an LLC together, but, um, went in there, did a little bit of work to the two units. And I think they're all, <laughs> I don't even know. She does a lot of it. We're grateful for I her, but one still, yeah, they were, they were fixing it up. They just finished it. So, so I we think fixed up the two. Yeah. He moved out. We fixed up his, got rented out for 900. I think he was leasing the other ones for like seven fifty. They just emailed us to if yeah. increase the uh, rents. Right. So we're basically about to have all four leased. And then the end goal is like, she, she brought this idea to us, which we never thought of. I'm all for this, the cash flow, but she's going to subdivide each unit. Right. So they're all two bed, one bath. We're going to make each of them their own address. So they're their own condo, sell it off for say 160, 180, 200, whatever they're worth in two years. And now we turn, you know, our mortgage balance, which is going to be around 250. you know, next year it's going to be, Right. There's only like 270 left, right? So if we sell these in a couple of years each for close to 200, that's, you know, $800,000. And now your you're mortgage. Selling, you're, selling the, you're, you're dividing them and turning them each into their own condo. Right. Kind of yeah. This is just a plan. We could hold on to this for however long, right? But if, if it makes sense, you know, and we can sell it out of condos and roll that into something bigger, then we just turn a. Uh, sell those condos, take whatever that's off, off the mortgage. Right, right. Oh yeah. But you get paid on the, you know, whenever you, someone gets a loan, you get paid out on the price, right? And the bank gives them the loan, but, but yeah, they'd be purchasing it. Yeah. So we could owner finance it. Right. So instead of getting paid out in full, we could put a note on it. So we can say, Hey, for each of these units, we want 40 grand down or probably like 20, 30 grand down. So we get, you know, 80 grand on down payments. We charge them an 8% interest rate. And now we're making, you know, you a th yeah. You would have gotten, but you got more out of it. Right. So now what would what would be that's called a, a wraparound mortgage. Mm -hmm. So our mortgage is nineteen hundred bucks a month, mm -hmm. but now we have a mortgage on each of those for nineteen hundred. You know what I mean? So then you can create cash flow like crazy, and then the big money is in that note that you created. Mm -hmm. So they have all these mortgage balances that they owe, you know, a hundred and fifty thousand dollars on, and ours is only, you know, two hundred. We have four notes for a hundred and fifty thousand. Mm -hmm. It's like whenever they do refinance or sell, we get paid the difference. Correct me if I'm wrong. The value in that too is the debt you're creating from them. Basically. Right. Yeah, you be yeah. become the lender if you do that. We just got put in a full circle, but that's called, yeah, a wraparound mortgage. So owner finance, which I've done. I actually had a, a deal in Houston that I bought subject to 3% interest rate. I was marketing it to sell owner finance. So I was going to get a 30 grand down payment, charge 8%. So you get your money back that you're into it. You get now larger cash flow and you're not the landlord. So you pass the deed to them. They own it. They take care of taxes and insurance. You make the spread on the interest payments. But the big thing is the difference in their principal balance and yours. If, it's a huge if you're not the landlord, are you still reaping the tax benefits from that? No, that's the only downside. Yeah. So if you if you want the appreciation and the tax benefits, you gotta own it, right? If you're doing a wraparound mortgage, selling it owner finance, you're giving them the you know, the tax benefits and the ownership. So that's the downside there. But yeah, that, that deal was crazy. Uh, so we got a fourplex that we own together um, with her in College Station. And, 
you know, really that's the end game is we're not collecting huge cash flow from it. I mean, there is cash flow. We're just keeping it in that account to then repair those and then sell it off big. And it's the hope. I mean, it's 10 minutes from A&M, so you hope that it gets nicer and nicer. Right. Um, over there. In the future, you got Mr. Airbnb here. <laughs> he so, could. Yeah, what's y'all's priority right now? So, I mean, are y'all going for more fourplex? Are y'all going for more wealth building things like that four, fourplex? Are you, are y'all sticking to what y'all know? Like, what's next? I think, I mean, I have gotten, I think tomorrow I close on like my sixth property that I'm holding, but I have gotten to a point where it's like, you know, that requires some management. I'm going to use other people on a lot of it, but like that requires, you know, more management, more capital, um, which I'm starting to use other people's money for it. But it's like our biggest money making machine right now is wholesaling. So we're trying to automate a lot of that with marketing, other people bringing us leads and then eventually, like I said, with you dialing it down to where we're not having to be on the phone all day. So if we can automate this to get wholesale deals every single week, then it's just like that's our, you know, capital. And then we can get more creative on the purchase side of things and focus on like the wealth building stuff, which would be owning it, buying the creative deals subject to um, moving into commercial real estate, getting those bigger, bigger deals. But yeah. So that's kind of the goal. I think right now. I mean, for me, it's definitely a lot more wholesaling. Just got to have money. Um, yeah. I mean, I've had some deals that I probably should have just kept, but it's really time sensitive. I mean, they're foreclosures. Take it sub two, but I'd rather just now, you know, make some wholesale fees and keep that rolling. And then once you have a bigger base, yeah, start holding more stuff. I get bad about that. I'm like, I want to own it. And then I realize I'm like, I could maybe probably made like five wholesale deals in the time I spent, you know, wasting on right. this house I'm buying. Right. But um, it's trying to balance that for sure. Yeah, speak so on the, speak on the some of the times where you look back, like, man, I should have kept that, I should have held that. We're too young for that probably experience yet. But I mean, there's times that we get stuff under contract subject too, right? If it's a and nice then, house. You should yeah, probably like just keep it. Perfect condition. You know, it's like a twenty five, probably twenty five thousand, thirty thousand to get into the deal. It's like, yeah, we could pay for it. That's like now wiping out thirty thousand, and we could just rent it out, but. We have other people in our network that will gladly pay us an extra ten grand to to take it, right? right? So like if it's not easy for us to deal with, it's not local and you know, it's gonna slow us down, it's like we might as well just wholesale it. I think that's a big thing too, is having it local. If you can get a local sub too, that's so much easier. Yeah. That one I bought in yeah. Houston and College Station we haven't seen, but we have partners over there that are helping us. So that's the big thing in the network is other people are there that have made it useful. Otherwise I couldn't have done it. If you don't have boots on the ground, it's tough. What's yeah. The, what's the main You're talking about management in terms of just on a day-to-day or in terms of, uh, like, holding the property? Uh, day-to-day for, for managing what y'all basically, y'all okay. running a business. Yeah. So management for the business and management for everything y'all have going on with the property. So property management, stuff like that. I mean, I'd say day-to-day it's tough because some days, like, yesterday I think you were the same. Like, my phone was just blowing up. I mean, I was on the phone with someone, had three people call me. You call one back, the other two call. Um, so it's really you try to have a schedule of, Hey, like I'm going to do this before I can even call anyone. Like make sure you get all your emails. Yeah. Take care of all that stuff before you can actually go talk to people. Cause it's too early in the morning and then sometimes too late at night. So, I mean, you just got to be organized and figure out, you know, have a file for each deal you have in your email, keep up to date. Um, but it's, it's a lot of just 
You're throwing yeah. stuff at the wall. Like, it's just random. Some of that's just delegating. I mean, yeah. I don't think he's really done that yet, but, like, you could start to do the same thing where I'm not trying to do all the emails with title work. I still end up having to do it because it's, like, certain urgent stuff comes up. Having other people do that, um, it's definitely stressful. You don't you have to wake up and go get our paycheck every time. It's like, really? yeah, it can be big, but, like, there could be a month where I'm making, like, nothing, and then a month you just get a hundred grand, and it's, like, that's awesome, but it's also scary. You, you think you're going to make 20K, and then it's just gone. Right. The deal falls apart or whatever. Yeah. They owe fifteen thousand dollars that you didn't know about. Oh yeah, people don't see that. They see all the yeah. good stuff that we probably post about, yeah. and then it's like I have a deal last two weeks ago that was supposed to be a forty grand wholesale fee. I was splitting with someone. Literally, deal should have been closed. Title company was supposed to close it. A hiccup happened. Two days later, he gets cold feet. He says he's going to stay in his house and he's not going to sell. And we're just like, what? So now we can't really. We could take it to court and make him sell, but then we're not going to do that. So now we we go from making twenty grand to just nothing. It's like, okay, freak out for 10 minutes and then just move on. Yeah, I mean, that's the one I had. I had a house that we closed on in Arlington a month ago that I just door knocked this guy, and we didn't know that he didn't show up to court for some legal battle, and they fined him really? 5000 Then he was way behind on taxes and was behind more on his mortgage. So it went from me making like 16000 to like seven in a matter of 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Feels I'll take like seven. A, feels like a loss, but I guess yeah. still a gain. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that part just gets stressful, I think. Definitely could get better at managing. We got a lot going on right now, but just trying to dial it in that we actually spend time on the things that make us the most amount of money. Yeah. So dial, dial back on that one. So what specifically? I'm just curious. Where where are y'all focused on? Um, you have more experience. So where do you, where are you looking at to dial back, get more delegation, get more help? And then you're kind of newer. So where are you kind of like okay, I can kind of make a move here and not do this as much, spend more time on this. I mean, I think at some point here I'll probably start doing what he does where there's no reason for you to be spending a bunch of time messing with title companies and trying to find all these documents and everything. I'm fine with doing it now just because I'm not doing as many deals as he does. So my phone's not blowing up as bad, um, which is fine. But I think at some point that's really the big thing is that takes a lot of time. Like, I mean, I've spent hours over the last two days for a deal that I have in Corpus Christi calling two different mortgage companies, trying to figure out the deceased person's, will and all that stuff so yeah just trying to make sure everything's in place for it to close yeah whereas you could have someone else do that and they get paid a small fee when it closes right but yeah it's hard to do it's hard to justify sometimes and then you also know that you're going to do it right so that's kind of yeah the thing. like i know i'm going to do this right so but yeah. you got to trust other people too right yep but that's crazy so i guess now cool story on all of those um we already talked about what you're doing now but think that the same thing we're pretty much working at it together and then um some of these deals come across we do it ourselves and other times we're closing on it and splitting it so who knows where it'll go just keep multiplying it and hopefully have the business running it on itself what's the what's y'all's favorite part of like the game because I, I look i look at it I mean, i'm not i'm not in wholesaling yet but like i look at like what i do with social media i'm like okay i can kind of cut back here like i know if i do this like what's y'all's favorite part of getting paid <laughs> of course. no yeah. um i think just i mean we both played very high level sports growing up baseball mostly um so i think just like competitive nature of like making it yourself and just putting in the work but um i mean just grinding it's fun like you're getting yelled at on the phone i think it's kind of funny uh, getting yelled at the door oh, but yeah. you, you get all that and then you get the one that actually like hits and you're like this is awesome yeah um, definitely funny stories looking at everything we see on our crm we're getting texts from uh, you know, 
homeowners saying F you. Worse, much worse stuff sometimes too that I probably yeah, won't There's a say. lot that I've downloaded the uh, the audio and sent to my friends or family yeah. and they're like, I can't believe that's an actual conversation that you just had. Yeah. What's the funniest story, little short story you can remember? Oh, man. Oh, I mean, the most recent one I can think of with Alex, he got completely like bamboozled on the phone. I swear. Oh, this was, was I think like, it was AI, yeah. Yeah, I think he got like straight up AI, you know. Uh, it, was, it was wild. Like, full Fugazi. So yeah. he's on the phone <laughs> and answers. He's like, hey, is this so-and-so? Yeah. What, what was that? Yeah, we, we could play it. It's like four minutes and very hard to listen to. Basically, every time he said, yeah, I'm calling about the house. This guy's sitting in his room, you know, the owner, and you hear this kid screaming in the background, dad. And he's like, I sorry, one second. He's like, dad, he's like, I need a hundred dollars. He's like, for this game. He's like, you told me you get it right now. And he's yelling at him. And he's like, what was that? I'm on the phone. He's like, okay, what was it? Alex like calling about the house. Dad, dad, this kid's yelling and yelling. Basically, for four minutes straight, this I kid, just wasn't taking no for yeah. an answer. I'm like, I'm staying on the yeah. phone. Yeah, the kid's yelling at his dad. It, we realize it's probably fake because he keeps saying yeah. it. He's like, okay, here's a hundred bucks. Shut up until I'm off the call. And then five seconds later, dad, I need an extra fifty bucks for this game. Get some fifty bucks. Okay, what do you want? You just cost me hundred fifty dollars. Like he's yelling at my brother now. Yeah. Like just at the time, crazy. I couldn't. I didn't even think about that because it's just like I'm like, holy yeah. cow, this and is this the worst kid ever. This is all recorded on our, our phone, our yeah, CRMs. Yeah. So yeah, we have it in there and we're sending it to our friends, but I'm like so hard to listen to this. And then there's other people that just cuss you out. Yeah, I mean, I've had some people like threaten me essentially, but I'm like, okay, man, what are you going to do? Like, yeah. I'm like, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be saying this to me if I wasn't like face to face. Like you're telling me this over the phone, like Mr. Yeah. Tough Guy. But at the same time, I'm like, I get it. If your phone's getting blown up, you're in like the lowest point of your life. Like I get it, but. Yeah, you right. definitely have some situations where people just lose it on you, which I'd rather them take it out on me than take it out on somebody else. Because I'm like, I don't care. It's not. I'm not taking it personally. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, cool. Appreciate coming on, even yeah. though I knew your whole story. Yeah, I think it's kind of cool. So it's, it's kind of cool, I guess. It's yeah. uh, that's six months in. Um, probably netted you know two to three times what he would have made by the end of the this year so what was my goal I, I said in one year i'll see if i'll get uh, there i think he, you were wanting to make what 50 60 a month yeah we'll see if i get there. i got till march to get there yeah yeah so that's that's the goal yeah we'll see well, we appreciate you you getting this set up femi yeah we'll get you. on the next one and i'll get uh someone else in here with the same story so we've helped about i'd say probably eight to ten people get their first wholesale deal in the last six months and that's just how a lot of our leads have come is just new people that want to grind and go find the deals. And then we split it with them. So a lot of people doing the same thing.